football. Ladies and gentlemen, goals allowed. Hello and welcome to a podcast-only version of the Goals Allowed Football Show. Unfortunately, we were not able to make our regular 9pm time slot on Burn FM this week, as we are, at this current moment, you're listening to this, recovering from Burn Bull, I imagine. So, uh, we are recording this just to go on Spotify to tide you over until our final show, which will be coming at you on, on Burn FM next Thursday. Uh, as ever, I'm Jake Sandy, and joined by Danny Hodges and Jules Singh. Hello. I'm me. And so as it's a pre-record, we decided we'll go for something a bit more timeless. So it was announced a few weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, that in a sort of NBA kind of thing, the Premier League is now starting a Hall of Fame. Is it the NBA Hall of Fame? Uh, they have one in the NFL, but I know... Oh, NFL, that's yeah, there's, there's also an NBA one. I think a lot of American sports have it. Yeah, sort of the Americanization of the Premier League. I'm not sure if I'm a fan of that, but anyway, that's, that's a conversation for another podcast. Um, so I thought today we would just discuss uh, one pick we think's sort of got to be included and then a sort of more avant-garde pick, if you will, something that maybe some people haven't considered, but people that we think are nonetheless worthy of inclusion. So I'll go first with my pick that has certainly got to be in there. And he is Chelsea's current manager, my personal footballing hero, and also the Premier League's highest scoring ever midfielder. I think he's about fourth on the list anyway, the top goal scorers outright. It is, of course, Frank Lampard. I think that his contribution to the Premier League, both with West Ham, uh, Chelsea and indeed Manchester City as well, has made him part of the furniture for, well, basically all my, in the basically entirety of my own lifetime and even slightly before that when he was coming through at West Ham. I think that Ultimately, when you look at him as a player, you sort of see someone who defined a very specific role. Because when you, like, I'm sure lots of people have been playing football, and you make a late run to the box, and when you shoot, the first thing you shout is Lampard, because you want to be him, and you want to be the person arriving to arrow the ball into the top corner. Unfortunately for me, most of them went over the bar. <laughs> I didn't quite have the Frank Lampard level of finishing, but I think he is certainly someone who definitely should be in the... Uh, Premier League Hall of Fame would you say uh, yeah um, he, he's probably well best uh, yeah he's a, by far the best scorer midfielder of the Premier League um, whether people agree he's best midfielder in Premier League history there's many but he has got a shout and a claim to it and in fact he's just he's won so much and he wasn't it wasn't like he was a role player per se or maybe not a role player like he well, he pretty much started most of the kind of games when he was a key part of it, really, up until I think with the Conte era when they won when they won the league there. But yeah, he I think he kind of also in some ways changed the midfield a bit because he came a very attacking midfield player, which no I don't think I had seen up until that point. Yeah, I, I'm 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 inclined to agree that that Lampard was a, a brilliant goal scoring midfielder. Um, for me personally, it was um, Gerard that I screamed uh, when I was when I was running into the box trying to trying to score a goal, but usually I was I was the goalkeeper trying to stop it going in. So yeah, I'm not sure how that worked, but no, yeah. For me, he's he's one of the best goal scoring midfielders of the of the Premier League era. Yeah, looking at it, I was just very quickly um, checking the stats. He is fifth, actually not fourth. Because Aguero's taken over yeah. his place, isn't he? We get 177 goals in 609 appearances, which is 
obviously not a phenomenal goals per game ratio, but from midfield, I think that realistically there's not. You couldn't be too critical about that. Well, you know what Chelsea need to do then? Just sign him on a free transfer so he can score three or four goals more from now until the end of the season. Sorted. I was just looking at how many... Sorry, I was just looking at how many like, league appearances he's made, and he's actually not that far off people like uh, Ryan Giggs, who are obviously players that you associate with and played for a, a very long time. Mm-hmm. But like realistically, he's not. His stats are in very much in comparison to those. So you can see how much of an integral part of the Premier League he's been. And I think that when we do talk about Frank Lampard, understandably, we talk about goals and things like that. But also, he's third on the list of top assists. I think he's one of the only three players who's got over 100 Premier League assists. And also just the different styles of goal he scored as well. Because we, we, we always, as I, I've probably fallen at the trap of talking about the late runs into the box. But one goal, I think it was the Champions League, that I think of when I think of Frank Lampard was 2004-05. The goal he scored against Bayern Munich, where the ball, I don't know who, I don't know who got the assist for that. It might have been Ida Johnson sort of chipped the ball in and Lampard just like swiveled and just hit it from the corner of the box right into the bottom corner past... It must have been Oliver Kahn and goal. But seeing that is, with the sort of instinctiveness of that finish, is the kind of thing you wouldn't necessarily associate with a midfielder. And that was, I think, what set him apart from the players like Giggs and Scholes. Like they, they often got goals, but a lot of them were sort of from outside the box. Whereas Lampard could sort of do it all. He could score from outside the box, he could score from inside the box. His finishing was obviously not underrated, but I think. If he was a striker, he would still have got enough goals to be considered a top, top striker. Of course, I mean, like like you said, the stats, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. It's only like the added bonus that the man was a midfielder as well, so he could get assists, uh, he could he could cross, he could pass, he could do it all. So, as we've been speaking about midfield, I think we'll go over to you, Jules, as I'm pretty sure I can guess who your pick for the first inductee to our Premier League Hall of Fame will be. Uh, well, yeah, I've got to back my boy, Steven Gerrard. Um, for me, um, yes, Frank Lampard was the best goal-scoring midfielder of the Premier League era. But uh, Steven Gerrard, for me, had it all. Like, he could score, he could cross, he could pass. He was um, captain, leader, legend of that Liverpool side. And unlike Lampard, um, he played not a lot, but a portion of his career with some absolute dross of players and managers as well. I think back to the Hicks and Gillette era, late um, Rafa Benitez, the Hodgson era early, um, Brendan Rodgers era. He just he just didn't didn't have the players around him to succeed, but still managed to shine in that team. And I know I know a lot of, of Liverpool fans still don't regard him as Liverpool's best ever player, but for me. He is, and that's why he deserves to to be in the in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think that one thing a lot of people would say about uh, Steven Gerrard that I most certainly don't agree with for reasons I'm sure we might come on to in a minute, the fact that he couldn't possibly be considered because he's never won a Premier League, but that is just an entirely arbitrary and, in my opinion, very daft sort of rule to have. Yeah, because then all your the only criteria essentially is team players who've played for teams that have won the Premier League, and <clears throat> I think. He came so close so many times. Oh yeah, to the point that he probably should have won one. It's just, it just luck, just luck didn't fall his way. I think when talking about, there's always that comparison between Lampard and Gerrard. I would say Steven Gerrard was by far a better passer. Mm-hmm. Like at his peak, he was probably up there with like Pirlo and kind of 
like pass it just because world class. I mean, it was Zidane that said he he was the greatest midfielder that he'd ever played against, and he's the is it man of whose opinion that I regard highly. Well, I remember the FA Cup final and he beat. He basically beat West Ham. Yes, he just scored the two goals and then equalised, and they beat us. On, well, beat a West Ham penalty, and it was kind of like if without him they wouldn't have won there. I mean, the, like going back to the Premier League argument, one of the favourites at the moment is Alan Shearer, who over his career only won one Premier League title, and that wasn't with Newcastle. That was with was Kenny Dalglish's Blackburn Rovers. It was the inaugural Premier League season as well. So. Was it? I thought it was about two or three seasons in. Man United won the first one. Oh, maybe it was the second one. I think maybe 95. I'll oh, check. I'll I, thought it was, I thought it was 93, 94, something like that. Yeah, Actually, check, but actually. obviously that is another good reason that the uh, that rule probably defi- well, definitely shouldn't be implemented by the person who is actually choosing these. Do you know who's cho- who is actually choosing these? I don't know. Some board of directors has probably never watched football before. Yeah, I was trying to work. I was thinking that. Uh, Jenny Dennis, obviously, like, as it's to do with football, they definitely shouldn't do a poll. Because that. Would oh just, no, no! no. That, whoever has the biggest Twitter fan base, then you just know there would be like, like don't be wrong. There are some Arsenal players which would get, but I just feel like Arsenal. There'd be all like the top two would just be Arsenal players. Wasn't it the, the Champions League who did a who used to do like a goal of the week thing that you could vote for, and Salah kept winning it because like they just managed to mobilise the entirety of Egypt to vote mm-hmm. for him. Last season, um, Spurs had a who's been the uh, like Spurs um, striker of the decade. And loads of Liverpool fans just hijacked the poll and um, got Peter Crouch to be voted in rather than Harry Kane. Which I found he was funny. also a, a Lazio's Player of the Year about a year or two ago. Was Lucas Levy? You know, he, he, Liv- he, he keeps winning it. Yeah, because Liverpool like, fans keep voting. Yeah. <laughs> I, do, I just think about the thing you said. Was the thing you just mentioned the Spurs? Like, I, yeah. I, I, I thought you were going to say Adebayor because he's just sort of more sort of. I don't think he was. In, I don't think he was in the. Um, uh, shortlist. I think it's thought just because of the um, whole sort of. Uh, Arsenal connection might be a sort of more could satisfying. Do, William Gallas. You could do William Gallas as well. Yeah, I mean, to, I don't know. Has anyone got the hat trick of William Gallas? He got the hat trick of Chelsea, Arsenal, Arsenal and Tottenham. Yeah, really going around the sort of east, like east, east London. Really, should have gone to West Ham as well. Yeah, West exactly Ham would have done the whole kind of northeast southwest. I'm sure Sage Canabry will, will uh, make up that ground at some point. Probably should have. Uh, probably should skip Millwall though. I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be him. Yeah, <laughs> probably not be a good one. I was just listening up Wiki, uh, Stephen Gerrard on Wikipedia very quickly and looking at his sort of uh, the silverware he won at Anfield during his 17 seasons: two FA Cups, three League Cups, Champions League, UEFA Cup, Community Shield, and UEFA Super Cup. So, yep. pretty much apart from a, a Club World Cup, which Liverpool hadn't won when he was playing for them, that's pretty much everything you can win as a professional footballer. Yeah, the Premier League. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the Premier League. Bit, as well. Yeah. It is like it's pretty. Yeah, it is pretty much like for most people, it's the other way around. They never win a Champions League, but he's kind of done it the other way and won a Champions League. Got a two finals, lost the second one, but uh, yet yeah, did a, win a Premier League, which is more unheard of, of like than not winning a Champions League. There were always those rumours as well. Um, just after the Champions League final win in 2005, uh, apparently Mourinho really wanted him at yeah, Chelsea. I've, I've, from stuff I've read, I've like really, really wanted him. Like he was quite close, apparently as well. I think yeah. he did say to Liverpool. I could be wrong, but. I swear he said. I think, to I think it was there. somewhat conditional in the Champions League. Yeah, I swear I hear that he was like he was quite close. It was it was about to hand his transfer request or, or say that he was going to leave Liverpool, but then changed his mind because he was like, well, I, I like Liverpool. I would just touch on the point where in two thousand and five, when uh, 
uh, Liverpool went to win it, that Chelsea probably should have actually won it that season with the whole ghost goal thing. Oh, it's against Barcelona, over, it's it? definitely over the line. No, it was against Liverpool. Oh. Liverpool. Oh, def- yeah. Check, it was definitely over the line. They played in the semis. Who was it? Who scored the? Uh, Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia scored, yeah. scored the yeah. goal. I'm doing inverted commas here. I was uh, th- for some reason I think the Chelsea game where they were beating Barcelona was it the year they they beat Arsenal in the final then it was like controversy with the ref in decision and yeah but Chelsea actually Chelsea got through that one did they oh well, yeah they there's there's a long story about that I'll, I'll tell you after this because I don't want to go on about it for ages there but was, I read the other day there was this whole whole like Champions League rivalry between Liverpool and Chelsea like that decade as well I think we played each other maybe three or four times like in the knockout stages yeah it did feel like that did yeah. always feel like they played each other at some point. Yeah, I think we touched on it a lot the other day. There's a lot of weird things happening in the Champions League in terms of like the coincidences where teams get drawn against each other. Like we looked up Chelsea have never played Real Madrid, for example, but they've played Barcelona like four times in the past yeah. <laughs> since the turn of the decade. Like yeah. it's ridiculous. But sort of just moving on from that to uh, uh, Danny. Sorry, I don't know why I completely blanked on your name. They're very weird. Uh, your pick for the the player you think is most deserving of the accolade. Um. I was originally, as we started this, I, I came into this, we started this podcast, and I came into it thinking I know which player I'm going to get, and then as everyone was talking, I was like, I actually want to change it. Originally, I was going to go Alan Shearer. I felt like just because, yes, he's only won one Premier League, but he is an t- all-time top goal scorer, he's consistently a top goal scorer. Um, but I changed my mind just because I kept seeing clips of this guy lately on Twitter and YouTube, which is, I thought, he he was a bit before my time, but I thought, I have to pick Thierry on me. He was just so good watching. I do kind of watch clips of him and be like, I don't think there's anybody been this good. Maybe Hazard came close or Ronaldo-ish, but like, I don't think of anybody I've seen anyone who's come as close to him in as good as someone that's been as their peak in the Premier League. Yeah, I think when you look at him, you see someone who was the archetypal complete striker. Yeah. That when you see that I think his Premier League record of most assists is still... Or did De Bruyne beat it? No, De Bruyne hasn't beaten it yet. I don't think I he's think still De, there. De Bruyne's currently on 15 this season. He's with, cl- I think he's 18 years or 20. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the record is 20, so yeah, he, he might be at this season. Because I remember when, uh, actually, weirdly we touched on it in the podcast we just recorded, that when Jose Mourinho had a double pivot of uh, Matic and Fabregas that season was when Fabregas came very close to beating it. Like By Christmas, he had quite... I think was, he reached double figures by Christmas. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought he wasn't going to do it. Yeah, I remember that he, season. He though. didn't. And then also in the last game of the season against West Brom, he got sent off for kicking the ball at the referee. From about, he was really far out. The referee blew the whistle, so he did yeah. boot it towards him, hitting him in the side of the head. Which, I, I mean, was very good aim, but that's what you'd expect from <laughs> Yeah, from a brilliant pass like Cesar, I guess. But, but yeah, sorry, back to after that t- tangent. I think, it, it, like, as you were saying, the two, two people who've only come close to him is, oh, well, our Cesar Fabregas amid, like, probably the most central midfield type player you could get and and De Bruyne who's a bit more attacking but they've never been able to balance the same way Henri did of scoring loads of goals and assisting loads of goals arguably playing with De Bruyne's case playing in a more attacking side as well I mean I think back to that invincible season they got they got 12 draws that season yeah. they, they played very defensive football and yet Henri still managed to score a lot of goals yeah I think he was voted the best foreign player of all time in the Premier League which that goes to say anything like it, it's sad that kind of as I got into football I kind of saw the last bit of him in there so it wasn't like there was much I only saw him briefly but he, when you see clips and the way he played he just he ran with such elegance it was just it's like mesmerising to watch do you think 
when Sergio Aguero eventually leaves the Premier League, his career will have peaked on Reese. I, I was just about to say that because I was saying like very specifically for people our age. When you just went there, when you said the best foreign player in the Premier League, my mind first went to Aguero. Aguero yeah. But that's because when I started following football, was just when Aguero sort of joined Man City. Yeah. It's like I've sort of seen the last decade of Aguero's dominance as probably the best striker in the Premier League, aside from I don't know Harry Kane's in that argument, but I think certainly uh, Aguero. He's got longevity, hasn't yeah, he? Exactly. Has he? Got, has he had quite a leap? At least twenty goals, <coughs> nearly every season. In I think it was one season he didn't. Like, I think he had a bad team, but maybe because of injury. But yeah, I could be wrong. But I swear. he did get injured a lot. To be fair, like, across yeah. the season, and he still managed to score a lot of the goals. I think the only difference I would say is that they both can score loads of goals, and but I think that it's the way they go about it, and the way that Henri was just so complete at what he was doing. It was, if you were gonna like literally like create a player like a FIFA my pro my like pro player, it like, it would be Henri. That you have someone tall who can head the ball, but it's also really fast. It's really, it's really elegant. The ball, really quick, really good dribbler. It's got great vision. I'm not saying Aguero's like bad. It's just that I think Henri was just like you said. He was more of a complete archetypal uh, footballer. He's also got a lot of quite lot of longevity as in his career. Like obviously not the, before he came to the Premier League, but he was in the squad for a World Cup ninety World Cup nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, I don't think he played that much, but. When you look at how his career progressed, and then he was still playing in two thousand the two thousand ten World Cup, I think, because uh, he scored yeah. in the he scored the the handball against Ireland in the playoffs. I got them, yeah, I got, got them there, yeah. <clears throat> and he was he was uh, key in the France team that got to the World Cup final in two thousand six, and probably could have won if Zidane didn't let's say lose his temper. I think he lose his head. Yeah, that, I was going to say that, that would have been a good one. Uh, but yeah, it's I think. Henri was just so good. I just, I don't even think Ronaldo had. I'm not saying I don't know if I'm saying Henri's better than Ronaldo, but I, I just, I even when I watch Ronaldo, I just don't think he has that same kind of mesmerising, like, aura about him that Henri did when you watched him. I think he's got a lot more of the sort of Messi about him. If you're talking, yeah, but obviously the the thing your mind goes to when someone says Ronaldo is you think Messi straight away afterwards, and obviously we saw at Barcelona he was there when sort of Messi was sort of coming onto the scene. As under Pep Guardiola and seeing yeah. how well that they work together as a sort of thing, and I think that that's maybe another thing that we sort of maybe underestimate Henri because he didn't play in the Premier League for as long as Aguero did because he eventually left to go to uh, Barcelona, but he yeah. was probably because you can arguably say that sort of Arsenal's decline also coincided with them losing Henri because I think they sold him after. The 2006, well, uh, 2006 Champions League final, they lost to Barcelona. Was that Henri's last game? Or did he play for one more season? Uh, oh, what well, when they lost the. the oh, check. No. They, he left in 2007, so no, it was a bit after. So the season after the that. Season yeah. After, yeah. But I think that was sort of. He was there for the Invincibles and the season. the season before that when they won the FA Cup. They won the double the season before that? Uh, they, they, he won the double. I know Arsene Wenger won three Premier League titles, and I think one was without Henri. I yeah, because I, I think he won the double once, but I he think was a lot close with Will it twice. So I was reading the other day something about someone saying that the Invincibles team probably wasn't as good as the double winning team that happened a couple of seasons before. Yeah, but I feel like if you just look at the individual stats, his first, le- his first. Uh, so this is off Wiki, uh, Wikipedia. So if there's anything wrong, maybe it's because of that, but. In the Premier League, not all comps, but in the Premier League, he scored 70 goals in 31 games his first season, then 70 goals in 35 games, and then 
basically from then on, from 2001-02 season to his season for his last one, he scored at least 20 goals in the league for one, two, three, four, five years straight. Yeah, I was just looking at um, uh, Aguero, who made 261 Premier League appearances. And uh, in his first about the club, uh, Henri actually made 254. So actually what I was saying, Manego was completely wrong. He actually played for he's pl- he played for Arsenal for longer than Aguero's been playing at City. So God, it doesn't feel that long. But I do. It, did, it only felt like a few years. But because I didn't, I didn't realize he joined in nineteen ninety nine. But obviously, because I was born in the end nineteen ninety eight, like I don't yeah. remember any of that. Like my first footballing memory starts at when Chelsea won the Premier League in oh four oh five. So before that, I don't remember. Mine was the FA Cup, West Ham Liverpool, so around that time. Mine but, was the Champions League two thousand five. Yeah, it was kind of when Chelsea should have won it. Just want to get her back in there. Just, just, just want to add that in. Um, it's, it's, and even if you look at all all competitions, he scored. I'm pretty sure over 30 goals five years straight. Um, it, it's just mental how I think one year he scored 39 goals. He was obviously this is pre Messi era when when the players weren't scoring 54 goals in 50 games, but he was just an unbelievable goal scorer. And but he combined it with the fact he was able to because the criticism with Ronaldo is that he's just a goal scorer not really as like Messi's better because he's this he could bring people into the game but also score a load of goals Henri was doing that before Messi maybe not on the same level but he was doing it to a really high level yeah I think if a player like Messi didn't come around I think people would probably remember Henri as one of the best players of certainly this sort of millennium I guess so far but just moving on from players who we think are sort of uh I don't know what the word is, sort of nailed on to be included. I thought we should also talk about some players that we believe should be included, but perhaps aren't the most fashionable choices. And so my pick for that would be Gareth Barry, the Premier League's all-time highest appearance holder, the Premier League's most yellow-carded player. I think he's the Premier League's only player to ever get over 100 yellow cards, which is very impressive. I think he played about 700-odd games, so you're getting booked once every seven seven games. That's That's not bad. I thought it'd be worse. So if you think it was the fourth 38 game season... Trying to do a mental bad, yeah. math, like that's, but yeah, um, yeah, he was, well, he was, he was kind of part of that kind of first wave of Man City players, which eventually won that league title under Mancini. Yeah, because I was looking, that's I'd looking at before this just to do a bit of research, and he came through. We, I don't remember where he came through, but then he moved to Aston Villa, which is when he became club captain there. Yeah, and then he tried to force a move through to Liverpool, didn't get it. Was and it then Newcastle? Next, he was before Aston Villa. I don't think so. I think I looked it up earlier. That Aston Villa team was really good under Martin O'Neill. I remember that. Yeah, and then obviously he went to City uh, this season, and then as I said, made thirty-four appearances, and they won the league, and then went to West Brom after that. Yeah, where he was probably one of their better players in a, a campaign that ended in relegation for them. Yeah, he's. I think people for, just remember him as like a bit of a hard-hitting English player who just gets yellow cards and so on, which I guess had some factor. But he was quite technically good. Like, not saying he was the most gifted player of all time, but he was not that bad at being able to find a pass a ball through it was, so he actually came through at Brighton and Hove Albion and he went to Everton between Man City and West Brom which I forgot oh yeah because yeah I remember they, they bought him when he went there and everyone was like well, why he made a, he made 131 appearances for Everton that's my most memorable like thing of him like him playing for Everton rather than for Man City no when I, when I picture him I see him in sort of the old uh, Man City top like the one they had when they won the league yeah I either see him that or when he was at Aston Villa under Martin O'Neill it's like the Clarence Blue of with like John Carew was there Gabby Bonnehall uh, actually young what, what, what a player Gabby Bonnehall yeah God, I, he was 
Talk about what play. He was amazing on FIFA Pro Clubs, like 13 or something. Wait, is he still playing? Uh, no, no, I think he retired, did he? He, he didn't retire, but he doesn't have, doesn't have a club. Ah, so. oh, I think he got let go by Aston Villa the other, yeah, uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, I just wanted to sign him. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I want, like, Gareth Barry, if they eventually admit more players in, he's probably got to be in there eventually just because of, he was quite a good player. He played for England quite a few times. Yeah, that down that, I know it was a bit of a dead period for English football or not as good, but he was quite a consistent player in that team for England. I think like 2010 World Cup, he was in that squad. Yeah, because we were talking about beforehand. He was in the squad for Euro 2020, Euro 2000, and also World Cup 2010. Yeah. He was only one of three players who managed to, was in the squad for both of those. Uh, so looking at sort of your players for, or your picks for players that are slightly less, maybe less appreciated, what players would you put in? Uh, this was another one that changed my mind. So my first two picks for the one that was nailed on and then the more surprising one, completely changed it both. Originally I was going to go Jason Park because I felt like he was just such a, yes, he wasn't the most gifted player, but he was so just good at what he was doing. kind of, And he, he made that Man United team work quite well. But I decided to change it and go for an older player that was before my time, but I've seen quite a lot of stuff. And he played a bit in the first division, but he played a lot. I, I was checking on my phone. He was, he's played a lot of games in the Premier League, but Matt Lattis here. Um, it's, it's a good shout. Cause I, was, I was looking at, because um, originally on our podcast, we recorded just before this, we were gonna. I was going to touch on the Liverpool, uh, the Leicester game that was last weekend, because Vardy scored his, what will be his 99th Premier League goal. Yeah. And it turns out that when he does reach 100, he'll be one of three players to reach 100, but they're never playing for a top six club. One of them is Letizia. One of them is... I looked it up yesterday. I don't remember. One of them, I think, uh, Dion Dublin technically, sort of. He only scored two goals for United and scored the rest for other clubs. Yeah. I'll, I'll look at the other one. But again, we had to score that many goals. I think he's got 102 Premier League goals, Letizia. Jermaine Defoe. Yes, it's Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, no, no he played for Tottenham, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think of the other one is. Yeah. Alan Shearer, but no, no. Alan Shearer only played Blackburn, didn't he? Yeah. Probably, probably would count Shearer. Oh, yeah, yeah she, I think Shearer was one. There, there's definitely one more, but anyway, I'll look it up while the we. The classic top six. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but yeah, Matt Letizia was just. I think technically he's probably one of England's most gifted ever players. When you watch clips of him, he just. I think Xavi was saying that he, he was his favourite player growing up, or one of his favourite players growing up. And you do watch clips and he and he made it. He, he was he was famously known for being quite lazy, and like he would refuse. Like there's one story my dad told me, if I remember it correctly, was that um, uh, the manager told him to kind of like warm up, and he went no, and then ran on and scored with some goals, and just was like it was just that was the type of play he was. He was kind of like he he wasn't fit, but he he could just turn a game on its head because he had that like talent. Like there were some of the goals that one of my favorite goals ever was. I'm pretty sure like a ball was coming over. He kind of flicks it up, kicks it over someone else, kicks it over again, and then volleys it and it goes in. Yeah, I think notwithstanding his questionable opinions on Twitter, sometimes that yeah. we definitely won't we won't be getting into. <laughs> um, he is certainly one of the most iconic. We saw a very iconic Premier League player in terms of he's not what you'd necessarily associate as an English player. But he's, I mean, he's technically not. For, he's from Guernsey. So he's not technically English, yeah. but you know what I mean. This is not sort of. He has the sort of air of like I don't know, a sort of more continental footballer. Yeah, when when I watched him, I was like, "How is a guy like this playing in nineties Premier League?" He just seemed more Spanish in the way he was playing, or more Italian, a kind of flair type thing. Whereas, what you'd more you'd see more type of players that on the continent. Mm-hmm. Whereas, 
he was playing nineties football for Southampton. Southampton. It's a bit like, well, that, where, where did how did he never get a move to a top club? It's a bit like sort of Pat Nevin at Chelsea. He was Scottish and yet played in a team with like Zola and yeah. like continental <laughs> players like that, and he was as good as them from a sort of technical point of view. And you sort of looked at him and thought, like, how have you got to this point? Like, it yeah. seems sort of very far removed from what we would consider someone like playing from someone who was playing who was from the British Isles. And so finally, Jules, your pick for a maybe underappreciated. Uh, I mean, Hall of Fame. I I had one or two in mind. I mean, Michael Owen came to mind because I just think he's very underappreciated of what he did at Liverpool and everything's kind of just soured by everything he did after that, moving to Real Madrid, the Newcastle, like England debacle, that sort of stuff. But I think I'd go for Eric Cantona um, simply because when Sir Alex Ferguson was asked, you know, how many world-class players did you play with? He said, just four. I think he said Cantona, Ronaldo, um, Skulls, and Giggs. And the, re- the like. some of the honourable mentions were like um, you know, Roy Keane, Wayne Rooney, so on and so forth. But he said that Cantona was the one that when they signed him, they, they won the Premier League that season. He was in that Leeds team that was the last team to win the first division, and then he moved straight after to Man United, and then won the first ever Premier League with Man United. Yeah, I think obviously he was before our time, and I don't haven't watched like excessive amounts of videos of him playing. The main memory for him is the off the pitch, obviously the kicking the fan at Crystal Palace, and then the very sort of often misunderstood press conference after it, where people seem to think what he said was mysterious for some reason. He's, al- he's always been like that. I don't know if you saw the Champions League. Um, that, that, draw speech that he did. That, a, that, that's, years ago. that's that's the thing though, because what he said after the kicking the fan was like in the press conference. He said, "Why does seagulls follow the trawler?" Yeah, because he thinks that because they think that fish will be thrown overboard, and the reason he the people think oh it's really mysterious, but well, it's not. The whole point is the reason the journalists gathered there was because they thought he'd say something interesting and profound. <laughs> like, it's, it's very sensible, but. For some reason, people see that sort of adding to his mystique, whereas he said far more weirder things. I think he was, he was trying to outsmart them in some ways as well. well he definitely did, because yeah. they t- cause it filled so many column inches at the time, presumably. They're all just writing me like, yeah, he said this, and you're like, hi, oh, God. He's just mugging them off, basically. Yeah. I've got the quote. Ferguson said that Cantona was the catalyst for United's years of domination, and that when they bought him, uh, it was his mere presence and his ability to make and score goals. He was someone who was... The clips I've seen of him and that famous goal, he kind of chips it over and he comes off the post and then uh, you can see why he was so talented. He kind of had that Bergkamp-esque type feel to it in that he may not necessarily score loads of goals. I think, like, I'm just looking at stats here. He only scored... I can't be right. He only scored 60... No, no. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Maybe. I think he's saying he only scored 64 goals in, like, 143 games for United. Because he, he, he was sort of one of those players that's like he was a cult player, but he was also really good as well. Yeah, because like and that's what sort of made him sort of set him apart as one of the players that definitely deserves inclusion. Because when you look at players who will be seen as sort of cult figures because of their presence, not necessarily their exploits on the pitch, and I think he had the perfect blend of presence to sort of make him a big name and also had the skills to back it up. Yeah, yeah and he, he kind of. He's just, I think it must have been that aura, kind of like we talked about on when I was talking about Henri earlier. He kind of had that aura of he's something above everyone else. Oh, yeah. He's like a foot above everyone else. He's kind of like this. There's something about him that like you just can't put on it. Why? But he's so good. 
And I guess he had the attitude to back it up in that. But he he retired quite young. I think in his early 30s. And he never won the World Cup with France. He never played for France, I don't think, many times. I think that there's a very sort of famous thing that goes around on Twitter occasionally of the letter Sir Alex Ferguson wrote to him to persuade him not to retire. Oh. Like, and it, it didn't work, but it's, yeah. quite, it's quite an interesting read. And he never won the Champions League because he left. He retired in... 96-97 yeah so just before the treble and he, and he only played 45 games for France and you feel like you would have played more for someone who was that talented yeah you probably think that I think just uh, also on the point I made earlier about the uh, Letizia not being one of the only players to not play for a top 6 club and score 100 goals the only other one tech, the only one uh, specifically is Shearer and then I would also personally probably count Dion Dublin because he only got 2 for United and got the rest yeah. for I think Aston Villa and Norwich, uh, you know, or Coventry. Dion Dublin scored the rest for Coventry and Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting to see how many clubs, uh, well, how many players on on that list as well, only ever played for one club and still managed to be in like in the top thirty. I think yes, yeah, Letizia, Drogba, Scholes, Gerrard, and Thierry Henry. Obviously, Frank Lampard doesn't qualify because he got some for West Ham and City. Yeah. Really sort of, he's one of the players you think is a one club person Chelsea man actually isn't yeah he's he is a quite, Chelsea man but yeah. like it's not like John Terry where How he was at yeah, West Ham I swear he had at least four we scored 24 goals for them so it must be quite a few I'll yeah. just very quickly before we finish check how many appearances he made for West Ham for completeness um, talk we're, about we're 148 appearances that's, that's a lot that's a, that is a lot he, and he, he made a hun- he went to 430 for Chelsea so what's that about uh, three out of three out of eight so nearly yeah we've had about just under half of all his Premier League appearances actually came for West Ham United. I think it's probably because we were either he played a bit before we were born or when we were quite young. Because he played for Swansea City as well. well he, yeah, he started at um, 1995-96. He was on loan at Swansea City, made nine appearances. And then from 96 onwards to 2001, he was presumably a regular at, United, at West Ham yeah. United. So. Talking about these picks that we've picked for this Hall of Fame, like Eric Cantona, Matt Letizia, but mainly Eric Cantona, do you think he would fit in today's game with the way he's his kind of his attitude about stuff is, or maybe his kind of personality, I suppose, where, like, and the way he plays, would he actually fit in today's game? Just two words. Add out or out. They're the only two words you need to see whether that, that kind of player could play in the Premier League now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think to, like, players that have maybe larger than normal egos about themselves. I mean, not, not to say the Cantona did, but, like, slightly, like, out there behavioural traits I think to like Zlatan yeah it's just like constantly telling everyone that he is the best yeah I'm I'm a bit tired just in in case you've forgotten I'm a bit tired of that one to be fair yeah we've been here for like the last decade now and you're just like well I like like Ronaldo's a little little bit more subtle about it like he just like he's got that arrogance of I am the best but I don't need to say it because you really know he's got that kind of arrogance where you could go yeah but you know I've got five bandles. I won't say he's the best, but you'll just leave yeah. it. You can say I'll leave it that, and they'll be like, yeah, and this main chat was eating, and then that's it. I mean, as Brian Clough said, I'm not going to say I'm the best manager in the world, but I'm in the top one. Yeah. Which is pretty an iconic quote. One and of I my think favorites of all time. That just about does it for this bonus episode. So remember, you can find our other episodes by just searching Goals Loud on Spotify. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jake Sandy FC. You can find Danny. Danny Hodges too. You can find Jules. Jules Singh underscore. So as ever, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from Danny. Goodbye. Goodbye from Jules. I've been me. And we will see you back here for the final ever Goals Allowed episode next Thursday at 9pm live on Burn FM.